Welcome to the 11th episode of Downtime Podcast. I'm Elisa. And I am Jeremy. Welcome back, Elisa. Thank you. I have a lot of things to say about E3. <laughs> well, can't wait to hear it. Uh, as you guys heard from last week's podcast, uh, Jairus and I talked extensively about E3, and so this time we're actually going to talk to Elisa and hear what she has to say about E3. I'm going to touch on like a few points that you two talked about last week. I agreed with a lot of the things you two talked about. Yay. But I, what I wanted to do is give an opinion of what it was like actually being at the convention as well. Okay. At the conference, yeah. And kind of give you my two cents of how I felt and how things could be improved and a lot of different things. Gotcha. It is also... like. 10 at night, and I normally shouldn't be tired, but I'm really tired today. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Me too. So so it's hot in LA. You get your badge. By the way, okay, okay really random point. Yeah. So I arrive in LA, and it's hot, but it's only, say, 87 degrees. And the 87 degrees is still hot. Yep. And I, I'm feeling it. Like, I'm feeling a little dehydrated. <laughs> The night that I flew back to Northern California, and I find out it's freaking 107 degrees up here. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I, I was in so much shock walking out of that airport thinking, what the hell happened? I think it was only 70 degrees when I left for LA, and then all of a sudden... There was like a huge heat wave when you were gone, and... I don't know. Yeah, it was it was crazy. It was 107 in my hometown, so I can't really complain. Oh, oh god. So, talking about E3, I went to E3 for two out of the three days. I went for the first two uh, first two days, and I didn't go on the last day because I had a stomach ache. Mm. <laughs> but that's okay. But that's okay. Um, because. I felt like I visited everything I needed to go to in the first two days. And okay. Just to sum up my experience at E3, it was it was okay. I had a re- I had a good time. I made the best out of what the conference was, but there were a lot of things about E3 that I did not like in terms of the way it was managed, and I will go into that later in this podcast. So I have actually a list of things that I wanted to address about E3. Okay. And um, so I'm just going to go through the list and tell you what I thought about what I thought about everything last week. Yeah, sure. Can't wait to hear it. Yes. Okay. So number one, this E3 almost had no new releases and a lot of the or new things announced, I mean. And a lot of the things that were announced are games that are already out, just coming out to a different platform. For example, Skyrim for VR. Like, did we? <laughs> do we really need a Skyrim for VR? I'm sure it's cool, but a part of me is thinking it's it's almost like Minecraft. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a Minecraft VR coming out soon because it just it just has to be on every single freaking platform that exists. Yeah. In 4K. In 4K, exactly. See, it's it's gone too far. <laughs> they could just work be working or they could have announced a new game too. Yeah, I mean, Bethesda Bethesda had like I guess two new kind of like releases but sequels. We touched on it last week. Um, you know, Leaving Within 2 and uh Wolf Inside the New Colossus. But I oh, feel like really. it, Yeah, but I feel like they could have added something to the Elder Scrolls series this year. Maybe they were still working on it, but I guess they wanted to put I the Skyrim um uh like VR as like a filler. Yeah, it's, and that's probably what it is. Bethesda definitely could be working on something and um I'm just I'm just saying that because I feel like Skyrim it came out in 2013, I think, or 2012. It's been a while. Yeah, 5-year-old game. Yeah. I I mean, I don't remember though how long the gap was between Oblivion and Skyrim. It could have been longer. Maybe it is actually a long gap, and I'm just not remembering it well. So I played Skyrim in, like, 
when it first came out, around the time it first came out, that was 2007, 2008. Yeah. So it's definitely been a yeah. while. All right, yeah. so there's like a five, six year gap in between each game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. All right. I take that back, maybe. Maybe. I guess that's not that. It's not that. <laughs> it's not that bad that there was just a Skyrim VR. What I didn't really look into, I don't know how this VR is working and how they're going to implement Skyrim into VR. Ah, uh, I see what you're saying. At E3, there were a lot of VR showcasings. Oh, yeah. It's like the way of the future now, you know? It is the way of the future. Future of gaming. It is It is the future of gaming. I agree. But I, I think what's getting to people as well is the pricing of VR. It's one. It's just definitely the price, though, is what gets you. Yeah, VR sets are expensive nowadays, and it's not really a consumer item. Which, although they're trying to advertise it as such, I don't think it's mm-hmm. a consumer item. It's way too expensive. Oh, definitely. Well, once the VR price drops to say. $300, we'll definitely be seeing more virtual reality and, you know, maybe even augmented reality in video games. But as of right now, it was very cool to see. And I actually tried the PlayStation VR at E3, one of the demos there. And it was cool, but I think it's it still has a long way to go, at least mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure it has potential. So for PlayStation VR, I know I noticed that they were also demoing something called Monster of the Deep, and it seemed like a side game of Final Fantasy XV. Huh. But I didn't really look much into it. Um, at that at that time, it looks like it's it's a take on the fishing game that's in Final Fantasy XV. That is very specific. It is super specific, and for context. Um, one of the skills that you can attain in Final Fantasy is the fishing skill. And it's very useful for um, Ignis cooking your food. So, mm. I wonder, so I wonder what the play uh, would be for this. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it seems like they can make a game out of any minigame in Final Fantasy. I mean, it's very... <laughs> I mean... I guess you can make a I I guess you can make a VR experience out of it, everything. Remember that one game? I think it's called Flight, where it's just a bird flying and you're just flying over the city. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it looks like they're making a VR out of everything. It's basically a bird simulator. I mean, if they can make a simulator out of anything, they can make a VR game out of anything, right? Pretty much. <laughs> Speaking of which, with VR, you know that what's that duck hunting game? Duck hunt. What's it called? Oh God! <laughs> Is that what uh, you're talking about? I yeah. played that. I played that on the NES when it first, well, not when it first came out. Well, when it, uh, when my dad gave it to me when I was young enough. I had the light gun yeah. and everything. It was cool. I was about to say I played that game at my cousin's house, and I also had the gun controller as well. Nice. Is there a Duck Hunt VR? I feel like there's got to yes. be. <laughs> there definitely is. Oh man, that's exciting. There's Ooh. a. Oh. Yeah. I see. It's for HTC Vive. Yep. There's a GIF on Reddit today that I saw of a guy playing Duck Hunt on VR. Uh-huh. Of course, it's not Nintendo sponsored in any way because he pulled out. <laughs> he pulled. He pulled out first. He had the light gun as like the gun, you know, and then he pulled yeah. out two Colt forty fives, and then he pu- pulled out a grenade. I was like, "This is a real game, but it's definitely not Nintendo made." <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. I was like, "I want to play this game." Oh man, that's awesome. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Also, um, let's see. Someone actually just posted onto. Who's Nightclaws? I have a feeling that's one of my friends. But um, sorry, yeah. we're talking. We're talking about our um, for you listeners, we're talking about our Discord, which you should join if you go to yeah. uh, Alisa's website. But um, yeah, someone posted something about. Um, uh, did anyone else see this coming? This wasn't announced during E3, was it? Namco Bandai dot hack gu last recode announcement trailer. I have to admit, I don't know exactly what Dot Hack is aside from that it's an anime. Oh my god, they're having a game out of it? it yeah, I've, I've seen that anime before. <laughs> oh, okay, I, I have no idea. <laughs> Holy crap, really? Oh wow, I did not, that was definitely not announced at E3 at all. 
In hmm. fact, it was announced yesterday. Ooh. See, all these post-E3 releases. Yeah. It's oh. very interesting. It came out for... It's coming out for PC and PlayStation 4. Hmm. Yes. Have you have you seen the anime? Uh, no. I have no idea what it is, aside from that it's an anime. Okay, for sure. But aside from that, I did not know that was coming out as a game. So, thank you for posting that. I have a feeling I know who this person is, but I'm not going to call out their name. Okay. Because... I don't know if they would want their name called out, but I would probably text this person after the podcast and Sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the two people that I don't know on this Discord so far are the two people that are your friends, because obviously Jairus is the only person I know. I feel like I went off tangent. Okay, I guess the point I want to make is that a lot of E3 this year were games that were announced in 2015 and 2016, and they were follow-ups. Ah, uh, yes. I don't, like, I can't tell you, like, five games that were actually <laughs> new at E3 that I did not know about before I went to that conference. I could tell you one. Mario and Rabbids. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> which, is, which we'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another yeah. point. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. We definitely have to talk about that. Oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to make this real quick point. Dude, the Oculus... Um, not the Oculus. The HTC Vive is $800. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it's, it hasn't, hasn't gone down in price. Yeah, it's still the same price, and then obviously you need to have, like, a pretty decent computer as well. Oh, man. To help, um... To assist with it. Or not assist. Compliment it. Yeah, yeah, VR is just very expensive. But I mean, it's Ocu a cool concept. It is a cool concept. I do know that the Oculus is on the cheaper side, though. Yeah, I mean, I think Oculus is trying to go for the more affordable range, which is fine, so you know? Yeah. And we both know someone in our office that has uh, a Vive, and they yes. seem to like it so far. So, they do I mean, like it. Uh, going back to what I was saying about it being expensive and not very consumer-friendly, I think right now, it's like everyone's a beta tester, you know? They're all beta testing this device or these devices, and mm -hmm. hopefully when we get like the Mark IV version of all these devices, they'll be <laughs> much cheaper, much more affordable, and have oh, really definitely. good games. Definitely. I almost wonder... Um, I almost wonder if by the time that VR gets cheaper, that's when the first prototype for AR, for whatever is going to come out mm. with video games. Because there is AR, because if you think about it, there is a lot of um, AR already in existence um, with in terms of like video games with iPads and stuff. And especially because there's a lot that you can do with spatial mapping. Yeah, totally. Um, I feel like by the time virtual reality gets cheaper, they're going to figure out more ways to... Um, uh, they're going to figure out like the AR for video games in a lot of different aspects. Mm -hmm. Or at least prototype it. I think um, AR is also going to be one of those good games in the future. Game, game to concepts. I think I actually, um, in regards to... VR versus AR in what I tested with. I like AR a lot. I just like mixed reality and the fact that you could see, for example, like a hologram on your own wall. Or a Pokemon. Or a Pokemon, for example, on your bed. <laughs> and it turns out that your garage is a Pokestop and you're wondering why all these people are standing in front of it. Oh, yeah, and you, but you hand out free cookies. Yeah, uh, you, don't, you don't hand it out, you throw it at them and tell them to go away. <laughs> Get out of my get out of my lawn get off my lawn. Know, <laughs> Leave me right? alone. Oh man. Oh, man, can you imagine if we did this podcast during the pokey craze? Cuz oh. all of those rant all of those crazy ass there's a lot of crazy ass stories that came out of Pokemon <laughs> Go. <laughs> I know, right? Like all the people who got kidnapped and yep. like robbed is crazy. When I was when I was in Japan last year in August, it was like the height of the Pokemon craze. Uh -huh. and, uh, Japan was like Japan just got it, so of course they were super into it. Oh, I was yeah. walking I was walking through Ueno Park in Tokyo mm -hmm. with my friend, and I was like, "What's everyone? Oh, 
<laughs> I was like, uh-huh. I was like, he's like, he's like, do you play? I'm like, no. And I put my phone away. Uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't play a no, lot. Like I wasn't obsessed no, with it. Don't. Yeah, don't, I know, right? Don't judge me. Yeah, right. <laughs> there was at least like 300 people in the park, all in like one area, and I was like, it's so. It was like humid, and it was like 90 degrees, and I was like, I can't be in this park any longer. It's just way too hot. I know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was. That was not really so much a crazy story of being kidnapped. It's just like. Wow, people were really into this game at one point. Yeah, seriously, it was an incredibly popular game. One might argue that it might have been the most popular game of last year. But mm. I think that obviously we both know the biggest issue with Pokemon Go was their freaking developer, Niantic, that mm-hmm. didn't develop anything when there were issues with the app as well as they took a really really long time to add more generations which at that point is when the game died out yeah i mean there are still some people who play it there are they did add the second generation of pokemon they did um i just there aren't as many as there used to be you know oh yeah but they did it way too late like can you imagine if the second generation was added maybe like two months after the first generation that's the thing though they wanted people to capitalize on the first generation pokemon and then go into the second generation once people had their fill but like you said it was too late everyone had their fill the fad was over the fad was gone they chose the wrong time but hey, I think I think Nintendo got their money. I mean, <laughs> Nintendo definitely cashed in. They did get their money. Yeah, Nintendo's been doing really well for the past two years, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, R.I.P. Satoru Iwata. Yes. Okay, I'm going way off, way too much off tangent. I know. <laughs> but every it's okay. Time, every time I talk about something, it's just it's like a um. It builds on something, and I have some. No worries. To say. No worries. Uh, no also, worries. Let's go back to E3. <laughs> it's like ten thirty-seven at night. I know. I know. We've been recording for twenty-five minutes now. Twenty-six oh, minutes. So God. let's let's go back to E3. Let's go back to E3. Okay. So, I feel okay. The second point I wanted to make is I don't know. Like I feel like a lot of these things were not vetted by video game so for example a lot of these releases and uh, things that were announced at e3 i feel like were not vetted by say their company's marketing or their company's like execs or something because why the hell is there an xbox one x xbox one x x xbox xx xx box one xx what, and by the way, the first and the last X are lowercase, and the other Xs are capitalized. Right, right. Sounds like the typical game. Xbox One X does have cool features, though, like backwards compatibility. I, th- I think that's like the coolest thing. Everything else, I don't care about 4K. Not everyone has 4K TVs yet, so it yeah. doesn't really appeal to me. I, they're treating this as a 0.5 generation, kind of like how, for example, PlayStation, they have the Slim and the Pro. This doesn't feel like a 0.5. This feels like a pretty like substantial upgrade this feels like this is what the xbox one should have been yes i was about to say like this this honestly feels like the next the next console or like their next generation but they're treating it like a they're treating it like a um 0.5 probably because there's 4k i don't know like almost if you don't even have like if you don't have the xbox one i this is the console to get for sure even if you don't have a 4k tv it's gonna be stupid fast oh god i can't wait <laughs> oh, and, oh yeah and then what you said it's backwards compatible yep so you can play literally any xbox game from xbox the first xbox to the 360 to the one which is pretty cool it's really and they awesome. s- and they I- said that um every game has like or they're trying to make it so every game has like a system link play i was like that's awesome yeah, I think it's like I think that it's going to be a very powerful console. Um, I think they're trying to they're trying to make up for they're trying to make up for how the Xbox One was treated when it first came out, because if you kind of recall when the Xbox One came out, they focused with their marketing. They focused a lot about how, oh, you can watch Netflix on this, and you can watch a bunch of videos on this, but they didn't really focus on the video gaming aspect of it, if you remember hmm. if you remember that campaign. I do. Yeah, and so now it seems like they're 
coming back to reality and realizing this is a video game console. Yep. Well, they're trying to appeal to gamers. It's a console for gamers by gamers, whatever yeah. that means. Yeah. Um, the next point I have to make is about Nintendo. Okay. And I think Nintendo had the best showing at E3. Agreed. In my opinion. Hands uh, down. With Microsoft, um, not, I was going to say with Microsoft Odyssey. With, <laughs> with Mario Odyssey and the how they turned that into like a very Grand Theft Auto-esque looking game. Mm-hmm. It's pretty awesome. Like it looks, it looks a lot of fun. I don't really play Mario, but even I acknowledge, wow, that's pretty cool. Their booth was huge. It was ginormous, and there was a lot of interactivity in regards to like there's things to take pictures of, and there were just a lot of things to look at and watch on monitors. And you, you know, even though you're standing in line for two and a half hours, there's yeah. all of these different things to see. I feel like Nintendo is true to what their products are. You know, Nintendo wants fans to have fun, and they want to—they make better software than they do hardware. So I feel like they wanted their booth to be like an interactive place, aside from just you know sitting around and waiting. So I think that's pretty cool. Definitely, yeah. Good on them. Nintendo, like, did really well. And then also, um, one thing that kind of surprised me was that Nintendo announced Metroid. I know, right? Two and, Metroid games, actually. Yeah, and I, that was like a that was a huge shocker for me. I was like, "Whoa, Metroid Prime!" Like, yeah, that's pretty awesome to offer. Like, um, I forgot. I think it was on Kotaku. Someone the way they described e th- their E three booth was they treated it like it was a playground. And, that's so cool. Yeah, and it was definitely the most fun interactive booth of the conference cool cool yes glad to hear that you had a good time there because obviously so far you know i i've never been to e3 and so far what you're telling me it sounds like it's pretty cool and this is a lot of the things that we don't get to see because i only watch the press conferences and that's it i don't really look at anything on the trade show floor you know a lot of the exhibit floor is advertising and just getting people to look at your booth, try out, maybe try out your game so that they'll buy your product in about a year. Hmm. Very cool. And it was very, it was very cool to see the creativity of all the booths. But Nintendo definitely was, in terms of press release and overall booth and just everything that happened at E3 is probably number one. Nice. Yes. Good job, Nintendo. Yeah, really good job. (laughs) Um, I, I'm surprised by, um, I'm surprised that they talked about Splatoon 2 in, um, in the E3 conference booth. Yeah, I was actually, I was kind of expecting them to talk about it, to be honest. I, it just, I didn't think they would actually give a significant focus on it. Yeah, I mean, like. And it had its own section in the booth. I was like, wow, they actually have, like, a significant amount of space here. That's pretty cool. I think it's because, like, um, you know, when they were trying to, when Nintendo was selling the Wii U, not everyone bought it, but then when Splatoon came out, ever suddenly a lot of people bought the Wii U just to play that one game. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Nintendo s- took that and said that, s- said, like, maybe th- this game, obviously, on the Switch is going to be so popular and so good, so they need to have its own space for it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think that, um,. It's cool to see them capitalizing on it. I've actually played Splatoon um, on a few of my friends' consoles, and I really liked playing it. Oh, yeah, no, totally. I mean, yeah. I've never played it before, but it looks like a really cool, new, fun IP, you know? It is. Because Nintendo, really Nintendo doesn't have a lot of new IPs, and when they do, they always... It's, it's either, like, falls too low, or or they always go back to having Mario in their new IP or somehow. Yeah. But Splatoon doesn't really have anything related to Mario, right? Mm-mm. Good. I mean, that's awesome. You can stand yeah. on its own. I know. So that. So I thought that was very cool to see. Very nice. Um. Oh yeah. So what we talked about earlier, this Mario and Rabbids game. Oh. I. I saw. Okay. I walked into E3, and when you walk into the the West Exhibit Hall, on your right, you just see this huge Mario. You know display statue that you can take pictures with 
and then you see like a stack of rabbits oh, right geez. next to them and you're just like what the hell is this what's uh -huh. going on and <laughs> then you find out that mario and rabbits are having a game together called kingdom battle i mean i that was really surprising and that's like the thing from the conference that I dislike the most. <laughs> really? Because <laughs> I don't like rabbits at all. And I was... Ugh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's a very random... Like, I'm... It's very random. They're the minions of the gaming universe. I know. Also, really quick question. Um, sure. I was, I was kind of... I was also surprised by this. Because, you know, if... If they have... Um, if they're doing this, that means they're working with Ubisoft, and I, I was always under the impression that Nintendo didn't really do collaboration work with other people. And they it, didn't do mobile games either for a long time, and you know, yeah. Pokemon Go came out, and Fire Emblem, and a bunch of other stuff. Mario Run. Yeah. Uh, so I think Nintendo is just experimenting what they could, what other developers can do with their IPs, because from what I heard from the conference, uh, Ubisoft is working solely on this with support from Nintendo. Mm. So. Yeah, all the assets that they showed so far were built by Ubisoft, yeah. with uh, provided by Nintendo. So I think it's kind of cool that Ubis they're letting Ubisoft, like they're basically licensing this out to Ubisoft to let them do whatever they want with it. And maybe this is a test to see like what Ubisoft can do with their IP. It seems like Nintendo is learning from a lot of different um, different complaints that they've received in the past. In, yeah, within like the past two years. So that's all I have to say about Nintendo. Cool, cool. Uh, so I just talked about like more so some of the releases that came out, and now we're gonna talk about what actually happened at the, like my actual experience at the convention. Okay, so Elisa's yeah. on floor experience. My on floor experience, as you kind of know, E three is usually a conference for industry people. Mm-hmm. And. Obviously, you know, you do press releases, you do demos, but there's a lot of ways for industry people to network. And I, cool. and I actually went on an industry pass. But this is, I think, the first E3 conference in a really long time, I think since like the first three years that it started, that they allowed the general public to come in to the conference. And they... Uh, E3 was not prepared for it at all. Oh, no. Yeah, it. I did not have a very enjoyable experience um, mixing the two together. And not to say that I don't want... I don't... I don't... I don't not want the general public to go to conventions. I think, like, it's cool that they're in, let, allowing fans to see the different things. It's just the way that everything came out was very disorganized. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, they were not prepared for how many people actually attended that conference. Jeez. Yes, I... It was kind of a shit show on the very first day. The second day seemed like it was a lot more regulated, but just all the booths and like security was just not prepared for how people were, you know, going around the conference. Mm-hmm. Is, there is a very easy fix for all, for, like, what I'm, for the first point that I'm making, though. Like, a clear divide between content for industry and content for the general public um, mm -hmm. every day. Or you just... Uh, for example, industry people are there for the first two days, and then the last two days, you can, like the general public, are invited to attend. Gotcha. The next point is that I felt very unprepared um, when 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 I finally walked onto the floor. I felt very unprepared in how to kind of allocate my time because I found out that. A lot of companies you had to do extra third-party things just to reserve time at their booth give me an example what does that mean exactly okay so I'll give you like the straight example PlayStation and Sony so the PlayStation area had obviously like things for demoing and then what happened was 
you kind of walk into the booth and you you see like a bunch of people crowded there and you're thinking okay i'm just gonna stand in line to um test this out and then you find out from someone that you actually had to download a separate playstation app to reserve times for that booth how would you know about that prior to going exactly you did not know that prior to going and what the hell? and uh, and I was like looking at a lot of my emails, and you there was an E three app, which by the way like was kind of useless. Oh <laughs> yeah, and it did not say anything about like these specific um, company booth vendor um, things that you had to abide to. Huh to um actually enter their booth that kind of sucks yeah it did suck and you know a lot of people including me like walked in and you had no idea that this was happening and at by the time you realized that it was a thing you there was no more slots to test oh, it out. what the hell what the hell e3 yeah exactly so that i found very frustrating and then, of course, you just had, like, some booths like Nintendo, where you just had to sit through, like, a two-and-a-half-hour line. But was it worth it for Nintendo? Oh, I didn't actually test anything. I just watched, because... Oh, okay. Um, as, a, as a person who's been to a few um, conventions, I think my tolerance is waiting an hour. If something's over an hour, I will just move on to the next thing. Another thing about E3 that was very frustrating is that it seemed like the different parts of management and security, and when I say different parts, I mean like the different buildings where E3 events were taking place, they seemed to be not aligned with each other in terms of how to run lines and how to um, allow people in. And yeah, so... The actual E3 convention was at the LA Convention Center, and it's in this kind of three-block area where it's a few things. It's the Nokia Theater, it's the Staples Center, it's LA Convention Center, like I mentioned, and the Novo, and a bunch of other different, like, a a lot of different areas um, for theaters and, um, like, halls. Mm Mm-hmm. Now... There were points where not everything was taking place in the convention center and you had to walk to one of these theaters to watch um, interviews or seminars. Mm, interesting. I didn't know and they interviews. had that. Yeah, they did have that. They only had um, so they only had one one theater for um, for live interviews and I was kind of surprised that they didn't have, like, for example, like, three different theaters kind of just running different content the entire time. Yeah, that would be the smartest thing to do. It would be the smartest thing to do, and it's what every other convention does. In fact, every other convention probably has five things running at the same time. Hmm. Yeah. And what was very um, annoying was... Between this theater and LA Convention Center, um, it's probably like a five, seven minute walk, but you had to take time to get there. And then of course you have to stand in line. At no point when you're in line for this theater that's seven minutes away from the LA Convention Center, do they really tell you, or there's no signage that backpacks aren't allowed in that theater. And, oh no, oh and, no. Yeah, and if you have a backpack, you have to check it into bag claim at the LA Convention Center. Oh my god. <laughs> I know. And there was no like there was no sign for it. I experienced this twice when I was trying to watch shows because the first time Brandon had a backpack and uh-huh. we all had to go back. And then the, oh no! And then the second time, we were in line to see Hideo Kojima, and um, 
the line was, you know, packed because it's Kojima. <laughs> and we're waiting for the time slot to, um, you know, to finally be accepted into the theater. And all of these freaking people had backpacks. And wow. at no point did the security that was standing around, like, waiting to let us in just make an announcement or say anything like hey by the way backpacks aren't allowed you basically you basically found out when you got into the theater that backpacks aren't allowed wow what the heck yeah it was very that was very annoying and um it came to a point when i was standing in line for kojima i was just telling a bunch of people with backpacks hey like you're like last time we had a backpack and we weren't allowed to go in so i'm just giving you a heads up and well that's nice of you yeah because that because it's a it's bullshit that they're that these people are fucking standing around and they're not telling you the simple things so that everything can be painless Mm. and painless not just for security that has to do the checks but painless for you too like saves you the heartache no, yeah, totally. Because if you can imagine, all these people standing in line for Kojima, like a fourth of them couldn't get in. Huh. Because That's because not good. because they had to, you know, walk back and forth, and then by the time they came back, they're at the end of the line. Oh. Yeah. That's not good. It's not good. And then on top of that, you know what would have actually solved the problem if that what? if that theater had its own bad claim. Yeah, I feel like. You know they what should, I mean? I feel like every theater sh- there should be smart enough to like hold your bag and like like a coat hanger or just like a cubby yeah, hole or something there. Exactly. But I don't understand why they had to make you go all the way back to the the big convention center. Oh to yeah, hundred percent. I that I can see they're already in this management here. Yeah, it made absolutely no sense at all. And also, like, I think about it from a money standpoint, and they're like E three is trying to make as much money as possible. And God, yeah. you can just charge $2 at the entrance of that theater. And I would have paid $2 cuz I didn't want to deal with any bullshit. Yeah, for Having, real though. Yeah, it just a lot of the, a lot of the shit made no sense. And it's very unfortunate that there's a, there were a lot of um things that they could have done to solve the issue solve the issues like initially. Yeah, I mean I think with now the public's eye on the convention they need and you know with all this public publicity that's been going on since it first started i feel like they need to step up their management game since a lot of the general public doesn't know what e3 is like firsthand definitely and there are people that go to it every year like like journalists and and like just press who go to it and then they experience it on their level because they they go to all the press conferences they they walk around the floor and i'm sure some of them are smart enough to know that it's mismanaged, but a lot of them don't say that when they talk about E3. They only talk about the games, because that's the most important part about E3, is the games, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. So they don't want to tarnish the reputation that E3 is, which I understand. And, and that's and that's a fair that's a fair statement. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, it's like a music festival, or just, you know, like a Comic-Con or anything. There's... There, it's always gonna, it's always gonna be really crappy, in terms <laughs> of like the way it's ran. Yep, and, I went to. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh yeah, and I feel like a lot of that stuff um, is just the nature of the beast. Yeah. Like I yeah. like I can complain about it as much as I want to, but it's just kind of the the way it is sometimes and i think that's why they didn't want to open it up to the public initially it was because oh, that they were afraid of the the control yes you know they wouldn't have enough control over all the people that were attending oh for sure and they didn't no <laughs> their, their fear came true but like i said a lot of these little a lot of these things that i'm talking about can be improved upon for yeah like it's i think not, it's definitely not a like a all end. Yeah, yeah. I just think all the de- all the developer not developers, all the publishers and all the com- the biggest companies need to like get together and like talk about it. And because oh, like they're all, they're also focused on their own booths that they don't think about the others, you know. Oh, for sure. So, exactly. Yeah. And 
Um, yeah, I think that's a lot of what I have to say about the way just that E3s ran. Awesome. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, um, there's, there's just a lot to, uh, be improved upon because I think it's a, I, I think it's a wonderful thing actually that the general public can attend E3 now. Because there was always this, you know, there was always a mystery behind E3. And as a video game fan, just as, like, someone can be a movie fan or a comic Mm. book fan, you know, you're always curious and you want to actually see all of these different things. And you're really excited for um, seeing, like, the press releases and trying out different things. I And it's, it's really cool that people are allowed to do that now. It just has to, it's just the system has to be fixed. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Yes. I, I, growing up, I went to this smaller convention in Sacramento called Sac Anime. It sounds, oh. it sounds weird, Sac Anime, but it oh was, my God. it was fun. It's yeah, only, I don't know if well, you know, it's only weird because you're, you're saying it. I know, when I think about it, I always <laughs> laugh, I'm like, Sac Anime. Um, oh have you heard of Sac Anime, Elisa? Oh, yeah. I have a bunch of friends who go to SAC Anime and cosplay there. Like, when I went to when I went to college... Um, oh, yeah. Of yeah, course when, you were. Yeah. yeah. When I went to college, um, that was... A lot of people went there. Yeah. I mean, your, your school wasn't near there, so I assume yeah. you, you, had, you knew about it. But, um, yeah, I used to go... I went there three times when I was in high school and once, I think, when I was in college mm-hmm. with, my, with, my, with my cousins and my brother. Yeah. It was all right. But I feel like... Smaller conventions are a lot easier to manage since you know exactly where everyone's going to be and oh, what you're 100%. all going to do. Yeah. yeah. With these sure. bigger conventions, like you have a lot of the older crowd, and especially like, with with uh, Sacramento, I feel like there are a lot of younger people managing the convention and they knew exactly what these people wanted. With the, with the older crowd managing E3, they've been doing it for years and years and years and they always they know the formula, they know how it goes, and despite all these, despite all these setbacks, they still go through with it. For sure. I was about to say... Um, in San Jose, there is an, a small anime convention called Fanime. Ah, and I don't know if it's small though. I feel like it's a lot bigger than it what used to be. Huh. Well, I'm. Is it that? You know, I'm basing it off of the size of the San Jose convention. Center. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, and maybe it's not. I don't know anymore. I don't know anymore. It's okay. I've never been. I've never been. I only hear stories. So don't, I, I'm not even justified when saying it. So yeah, I mean, I always wanted to go to Fanime just once yeah. because I went to Sack Anime and that was the only anime convention I've ever been to. Oh, yeah. And yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if it's a big convention or not. Everyone just says, oh, yeah, Sack Fanime is like, it's going to be huge. I'm like, okay, whatever, yeah, man. Definitely. There's a lot of things that can be learned about with other conventions that they'll probably implement for next year for example what you're saying with sac anime and the volunteers dude those freaking high school and like college volunteers for for conventions are really useful and informative and they're just all over the place and can help direct you direct you like they know what the people want they really do know what the people want like people underestimate the power of a volunteer uh just to sum up the just to sum up the more like technical you know technicalities of it um i believe that if you actually went to the conference it was six hundred dollars if you bought it early and nine hundred dollars if you bought it late wow almost a thousand dollars yeah that is crazy i don't think i would ever pay that much money to go to a conference i know i wouldn't pay that much either um i will say i don't think that the experience was worth that money um Mm -hmm. and if they really want to um if they really want to like do it for the fans and all different types of things but also balance out how there's industry people there there's a lot of work to be done to really compensate for that price but it's really expensive i wouldn't i would never like if e3 was at if if I couldn't get into E3 for free, I probably wouldn't have gone at all. So, mm. 
No, yeah, I would. I mean, honestly, it's not my dream to go to E3. And from what you're telling me and what you've told us so far, I don't think I ever want to go to E3. I'd rather just view it from a, you know, from a bird's eye. I'd, I'd rather just see all the highlights and that's it. Definitely, it's a like I said, it's a lot of fun viewing from, from afar. I always have fun viewing it from afar. Now yeah. and now that I kind of know what it's like, I don't feel the need to. Um, go to e3 so two more points that i have to make um the f- okay so the first point and this is a long ass podcast okay the first point yeah. yeah the first point that i have to make um uh, or the next point that i'm going to talk about is the different um things that you could actually see at that theater that i was talking about where you can um you know whatchamacallit where you could uh uh, see Hideo Kojima and stuff. Okay. So the actual theater where you could, the theater where you could uh, view interviews and all that type of stuff, it was called the Novo, and on the schedule, like every every hour, every half hour, there was uh, new people, um, uh, like developers, directors, producers, that type of thing, being interviewed, and I saw three interviews. Uh, one was for Wolfenstein 2, the other one was for um, Dissidia, and the other one was Hideo Kojima. Mm-hmm. And I always like watching interviews because you get to see behind the scenes of um, the production because the production team is what you don't hear about when yes. making a game and i find that shit yep. really intriguing especially you know talking mm-hmm. to a developer or you know producer like, even like the animator it's i think it's a lot of fun um i enjoyed watching them but i don't i think that the actual host like the person who was interviewing these people um could have been better lead-ons and could have been more engaging. What do you mean by that? Um, oftentimes, if some if there was awkward silence or there was like a sudden break in the interview and there was just nothing to be said, it was usually caused by the actual host who was interviewing that person. <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah, <laughs> and I don't um, I don't know how. So per interview, there was a different host each time i don't i don't okay. know how the hosts were chosen each time but i hmm. didn't feel like a lot of them were um prepared and appropriate um for this interview and a lot of them were just kind of just dry um not engaging gotcha when i watched hideo kojima it was weird and so the and next is the content that was talked about during the, these interviews where you know it was interesting but not what i wanted to hear and the example would be with hideo kojima and hideo um his interview was in was actually the host of it was the director of the of the latest kong skull island movie Wait, Jordan Vokes yeah. Robert? Whatever his yeah. name is? Oh, what the Yeah, heck? I know, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. It was very, like, I. it was very odd. I, like, there were a lot of random hosts. Afrojack hosted something. Oh, okay. I don't know what he hosted, but he did host something. Okay. Yeah. You see, like, I don't know what the rationale was behind a lot of these hosts. It's like when EA... E, do you hear about Jesse Wellens, the YouTuber who was speaking for EA? No. During their... Basically, yeah, during their press conference, they hired this guy named Jesse Wellens to talk about, I guess, Need for Speed or something during EA's press conference. And he was so nervous, he would pause oh. during the live stream. Oh, no. He'd pause. It was so cringy. Oh, no. He'd be like, hi, guys, I'm Jesse Wellens. And he got the other guy's name wrong. He's like, thank you for uh, having me here. It's so cringy. I'll, oh, I'll send it no. to you later. It's so bad. Oh. No, it's just like I couldn't watch it. I was like, "Uh, I I can't, dude." I, feel so bad I can't. For him. Oh my god. That's no. Oh. Poor Jesse Wells. 
No, but yeah, it goes to show you, like, why are these companies choosing these people to interview other people, or just as hosts in general? I know. Like, what is, well, why? I'm sure in the case of Jesse Wellens, if he's a pop, I didn't know who he was before. If he's a popular YouTuber, that's probably what they were trying to get at, you know, trying to incorporate, like, people that uh, are watched through social yeah. media into these press conferences. But what has to be accounted for is the actual content you're talking about, as well as practicing what you're going to say, and... You know, even just talking to the person before the interview starts. Well, here's the thing, too. Uh, Jesse Wellens isn't a gamer, from what I can no. understand. He's a pranker. He does pranks okay, on YouTube. Okay, that's just weird. Okay, that... Yeah, exactly. Mind. Like, why did they choose him? YouTuber, <laughs> I thought you meant, like, a video game channel. I didn't read. No, 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 no. That would have made more sense. This doesn't make any okay, sense. I'm, yeah, I don't understand the rationale for a lot of things. <laughs> with this, yeah. With this. Eh, E3. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for real. So with this, um, so with uh, the director of of Kong interviewing Kojima, the inner what's his last name by the way? Hideo uh, Kojima. No, 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 no. no Kojima's um, his last Kong, name. Uh, the Kong Skull Island director. Oh, it's like Jordan Votes Robert Vogues Roberts. I can't Votes pronounce Roberts? it. I just okay. know his first name is Jordan. Okay, I'm gonna refer to him by his last name. So Votes Roberts. That interview was not really well. It was about his video game inspirations, but it was talking to Kojima about his favorite movies and how that influenced the games that he made. And okay. It was in you know you would think that oh that's actually a pretty interesting topic huh uh, you know that could lead to a lot of interesting uh, conversation but it was one of those things where it was neither of their faults but they probably should have accounted for it obviously since uh, Vods Roberts is a director he knows like he has like knows more language and nuances like in regards to like the movie industry. Which he referred, which he referred yeah. to a lot, and you know, Kojima was answering a lot of the questions very well, but there was just a lot of things that you, you know, were kind of like lost in the translation, simply because, uh, simply because it was just like it was very movie based, and although Kojima, of course, you know, he's influenced by stories that happen in movies and everything, like he doesn't understand, like there's a lot of terminology and and technical things that he wouldn't understand like in regards to like filmmaking that Vaughn's Roberts kept referencing to if that hmm. makes sense no it does I know yeah. what you mean and um, overall it was a it was very it was a very interesting conversation it was not what I expected but I did enjoy watching it um, did Kojima speak English or was it, it was all in Japanese? Japanese there was a translator Yes. Huh. And interesting. Another thing that was that felt um weird is and you can say this for a lot of those um interviews is there was just no chemistry between the host and the person being interviewed. And it was oh, very geez. obvious. Oh, the host, person being interviewed and the translator oftentimes too. Um it almost okay. seems like in this Kojima interview that he was in like a who can talk louder um, battle with his translator. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine I that know. in my head. That's pretty funny. I know. Rounding out. Okay. And I'm I'm just gonna sum it up with what I personally thought, like what I personally liked, and what my favorite booth was, which was the Sega booth. And. It was a very small booth. It, it was obviously not as crazy and intense and over the top as Nintendo or, you know, Microsoft or Bethesda or PlayStation. But I felt that Sega's booth was very, it was very neat and very simple yet creative. Like it was a very, it was a thought out booth. And they really took from the environments of their games and implemented it in like a very it was a very solid setup for okay booth. okay as well as as well as it was probably one of the most well-managed booths in terms of like lines as well hmm. and 
making sure that things are in check. Was there any Sonic stuff? Yes, there was a lot of Sonic stuff. We've got Sonic there Mania was... and Sonic Forces coming out this year. I know. In fact, there was even a Sonic character that you could take pictures with. Aww. It was very cute. I liked it a lot. Okay. And as well as they had like a lot of like graphic wall prints for Sonic, and it was cool, just, cool. it was very cute. Like overall, it was a very cute booth. Cool. And. What was really nice is when they were displaying the stuff about uh, Yakuza 0, they actually had a Kamarucho alley, or a Kamarucho road. So cool. That's so cool, dude. Yeah, it was really adorable. Like, like, it was adorable, the Sega booth. It was very... You know, they like they didn't do all of these fancy things, but they re- I felt like they put a lot of heart in it if that makes sense. Yeah, no. I mean, like, you know, think about Sega's past. They they got beaten out of the console wars, so they had to find some solace. The, one of the only things I actually did was demo Yakuza 6. Oh, so cool. Yeah. And oh man, I'm just so hyped for that game after the trying game it awesome. out. I know, I, I'm excited. So there, Yeah, so there are two ways that you could demo that game. You could either play... Uh, also, that was probably one of the longest demos you can play. It was really cool. Um, you could either play... Uh, you could either free play with a few um, side things that you could choose from. For example, karaoke, mahjong, I can't think of the other things, as well as a few restaurants that you can walk into. Yeah. Um, you can either do free play or you could actually play part of the storyline. But I didn't want to play the storyline because I just wanted to. Um, when I play the story, when I play it, that's when I'll find out what. The good choice. Is. Good choice. Yeah. Any yakuza cosplayers there? No. Oh, there were barely uh, cosplayers at this. I think since it was like the very first time that. I think since it was the very first time, it you know. Um, it was open to the general public. There weren't that many cosplayers. There were quite a few, though. I mean, like, uh, not so much as general public cosplayers, but you know how there's a guy with a Sonic suit? Sometimes some booths have people kind of dressed up oh, as the characters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no one from Yakuza walking around? No. Oh, no man, that's so... Oh, okay. Yeah, for sure. It's my new favorite franchise now, Yakuza. As, of course, we've done a podcast, we've played the game, we talk about it. So, I'm so I was so excited when I heard that you, or when I saw that you went to, basically, Kamurocho. Because that's the closest yeah. you're ever going to get to Kamurocho without actually going to I Tokyo, know. you know? It was awesome. So it jealous. So, yeah. Oh, and then another cool thing that, um, so, um, that Sega did was when you walked into the conference, you know how I said that the Mario... Uh, rabbits thing was on one side. Mm-hmm. There was actually a photo booth for Sonic, um, Sonic the Hedgehog on the other what? side for for um, what is it for Forces and Mania, and it was legit like a a green screen and there was a trampoline and what you did was you can jump on it, take the picture, and then you, you, I don't know what the background was because I I didn't do it. But it, that was really cool. It was a cool, really fun cool. way to promote. Yeah, um, that there was a uh, for obvious reasons there was a long line. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's beloved. <laughs> it is super beloved, and it, it looked really cool. If there, if it wasn't that long of a line, I would have probably taken my picture there. Makes sense. Yes. Um, and that. I think that rounds up all of my that rounds up all of my E3 okay. points. Sweet. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yes. I mean, as someone who has no desire to go to E3 and still doesn't have any desire to go to E3, I feel like I know a lot more now than I did before when when it goes to like a like a super professional big conference like this. Yeah. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of things to be enjoyed with E3. I had a, like obviously I had complaints, but I had a good time. It like, so, it was one of those things where, 
you know, you gotta just make the best out of the situation. A conference will be a conference. Right, right. And it was just, it was really cool. It had me, like, I was super giddy a lot of the times when I was walking around just like, wow, I'm actually here. This this is crazy. No, totally. I mean, like, I feel like, um, with, when it comes to E3, uh, I feel like it's one of those things that you, if you're a huge video gamer and you, and you respect video games in a lot of ways, then you should go at least once if you have the desire to, mm-hmm. right? Gotcha. Huh? Gotcha. Gotcha what? Oh, uh, if, you have, if you have the desire to go to E3, you should, you should definitely go. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I... Unfortunately, I feel like the, those prices are going to be exactly the same. If anything, it wouldn't surprise me in any way if they actually bumped up the price. But if you can afford it, uh, or you know, if it's something that you really, really want to go to, you should definitely go. Um, I think since this was the experimental year with the public, it's def- it's going to be improved upon by next year. Like I think 2018 will probably be way better. I feel like they say that every year. <laughs> yeah. They do. But it's a, it's in different context this time. Because it really was crazy this year. Oh, I bet. I yeah. bet. But yeah, that's all I have to talk about with E3. Cool. Yeah, and I don't really have anything to say. I think I said everything last week and I kind of touched on some points here. And Yeah. Um, Steam sale. So PayPal just leaked the Steam sale as they did in previous years, I think years. Um, was sort of an advertisement to use PayPal to pay for your games on Steam, and so they revealed that the dates are tomorrow. If you're listening to this, well, not tomorrow. If you're listening to this now, we still have to edit it. It's going to be on from June 22nd until July 4th. Um. So we have one question. Yay. Uh, one question from... Okay, so this is from RK. Thank you, RK. The que- oh! The question that we got this week is... Would you two ever get a video game tattoo? <laughs> uh, um, ladies first. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to go? I, I mean, I'll go if you want me to say. Uh, fine, I'll go. I know it's just, okay. it's just funny because you're like ladies first. I'm like, um, since I'm being when? courteous. <laughs> I'm being courteous. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I have actually thought about getting two tattoos, uh, t- two video game tattoos before, which I will probably not go for because they would both be image tattoos, and I don't know how I feel about. Um, I don't feel like I would personally get image tattoos, but in my in my times when I was really considering it. Um, mm-hmm. The two tattoos that I was considering having was the logo for Final Fantasy X. Mm-hmm. And Final Fantasy X is like this orange, blue, um, purple logo. And it's of the main character, Yuna. And she, um, so it's taken from the scene where she's doing a, a r- ritual water dance. And mm-hmm. it's just, like, a really nice logo. And that game had, like, a profound effect on me. And I for I actually considered having that tattoo um, just because I feel like there was a lot of things that you could do with it. And, like, making it, like, look flowy and all these things. Because the logo is, is, like, she's flowing with water. And it was cool. very nice. Very cool. Yes. And... The second tattoo that I have considered was um, if you've played Heavy Rain. Heavy Rain is one of my favorite uh, stories. What I thought would be cool was um, getting like a tattoo of an origami crane on, like, I don't know, like on my wrist or something. And that's mm. actually like from the game. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, well, I got three answers for you, RK. First one is, uh, no, I don't think I will ever get a video game tattoo simply because I, oh, I don't really want to spend money on something that I might regret later. (laughs) 
Also, I I am deathly afraid of needles. And I don't want to. I don't want any needles penetrating, penetrating me <laughs> on my skin. Um, uh, yeah, that's the first reason or the first answer. The second answer is if I really, really had to get a tattoo, I for from some like for some random reason, I'd probably get a tattoo of um eight bit Luigi Aww. somewhere because my brother and I, when we were growing up. The first game that we ever played together was Super Mario Brothers on the NES, and I was always Luigi, and he was always Mario. And Mario and Luigi's color, Mario, the Luigi's sprite in Mario Super Mario Brothers was basically just Mario's sprite but colored green. So I'd probably get that little eight-bit version of Luigi somewhere like unnoticeable in my body. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and the third answer is if. I had to really, 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 really get a tattoo for whatever reason. Like, it was against my life, and someone was holding me at gunpoint and paid me a lot of money to get a tattoo, and oh my I had to show them. Dude, I would get, I would, you no there. fucking joke. Yeah, no fucking joke. I will go to the tattoo parlor, I'll whip out the, I'll whip out like a Yakuza tattoo from, <laughs> from, from Kiryu, from Kiryu Kazuma's back, and I'll get Kiryu Kazuma's dragon tattoo on my back. Damn. Bam. But I would never have it because I again back to my first point. It's all contradictory. I would never get a tattoo. So, <laughs> all, right. all right, we're tired. Should we call it a day? We're tired and we still have work tomorrow. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>